Welcome to the Pilates Business Podcast, where you will find out about how you can benefit from the creation of Pilates business development and marketing assets. Now, here's your host and Pilates business founder, David Gunther. Welcome, Pilates business owners, Pilates instructors, and friends. Today, we're welcoming Lyndon Forrest to this episode of the podcast. Lyndon is 26 years co-founder and managing director of Bug Control Australia and New Zealand, for 15 years owner of several other niche businesses. Lyndon provides mentoring to a number of single operator businesses and has worked large national companies as well as Bug Control, which is really a a very niche business, providing infection prevention and control services and products to aged care. Lyndon, welcome to Pilates Business Podcast. Thanks, David. It's really exciting to be here and sharing this uh, with you. And I thank you very much uh, for the invitation. It's really, I'm very humbled. It's a real pleasure, Lyndon, to have you on the show, sharing what you've learned from your industry so that Pilates business owners can improve their assets, their Pilates business assets. And firstly, I'm really curious to know and to let our listeners know more about uh, your industry and particularly with what's happened over the last 18 months or so with COVID. Obviously, that's brought a lot of changes to to what happens with infection control, really ramped things up. Yeah, please tell us all about that. Yeah, and not just with COVID, David. There's been the other issues, of course, with uh, new standards being introduced in July 2019. And of course, uh, everyone will know about some of the publicity the industry's got and certainly uh, the, the Royal Commission and uh, what it's been doing within the industry as well. And uh, I'm sure it's not far from people's memory too, the, the sad loss of all those lives and the 17 people that lost their lives at Newmarch, the facility in the western suburbs of Sydney. Look, it's been a, a very challenging time for everyone in the industry and, and certainly for us as a business as well. And Lyndon, there must be certain assets that you have created and maintained over the years that you have been involved with infection control. Can you tell us a a little bit about the types of assets that are important to your business and why? I think with all the time spent in a small business, I think one of the things we don't think about is the fact that we have this asset, our business. And I think that's probably something that most people understand easily. But I think also too, small business owners fail or don't realise that really what their business is about is developing and building a number of assets to keep adding value to their business. And similar to the analogy of owning a home and you put a deck on it or or enclose the garage or you put solar panels on the roof or something, you're adding value to the original asset. And that's the same with your business. So I think the first asset that people really need to get their head around is the fact that the fact they've started a new business, they must have something unique or something that they want to sell or provide. And and that in itself is an asset, that unique idea, that thing that they're trying to do is an asset in itself. And then as you develop the business, it's about understanding that all the other things you do or you should focus on are increasing or building on the assets or providing new assets. So In our business, we work hard at those things and are very clear about it and actually use the term asset. 
So we've got things like our standing operational procedures, our, our SOPs. We've got our client list, which is probably our most valuable asset in the sense that the list of current clients, whether it's in your accounting package with your existing customers or potential clients, because you're gathering them up on an ongoing basis as you move through time. There's all the intellectual property, the, the things and ideas, the books, the manuals, the guides, the education, the training, all those things that you do, they're your assets too. And, and you need to make sure you protect those IPs or your IP, either by trademarking it or making sure that everything's got that copyright stamp on it that you see around the place. Lots of people don't do that, and that's really important. But even very small stuff like your signature on your email, people overlook those little things, and that's all part of the value of your business and making sure that you're building those websites, landing pages, any automations that you've got, they're your assets as well. That's very much the same with our industry in Pilates and we love here at Pilates Business to draw parallels between other businesses and Pilates businesses because there is a lot that we can learn from other industries and creating standard operating procedures, SOPs as we call them, those that are used to producing them, is something that's not... Uh, not that easy to do in that just takes some time. They're actually easy to create if you've got a little process to do that. Tell us a little bit about how you go about creating standard operating procedures. Yeah, I think like lots of people, it's the process from taking the process and documenting it. We all traditionally think about you have to write it up and you put it into a document. Actual fact, that becomes very long-winded and there tends to be a lot of resistance to it because you've got to think about what you said. So all of our SOPs in the main are all done now via video because it's much quicker to do that. And even on just your phone, uh, you just talk into your phone and say, look, this is our process about answering the telephone for our clients. The phone rings. We answer it within five rings. We say, good morning, good afternoon, customer service. How can I help you? Lyndon speaking. And it's that simple. Yeah, and look, that is a, a really good way of doing it, as you say, so quick with a video. The other aspects of standard operating procedures we found at our businesses, Pilates Can, our two studios in Canberra, and Pilates Business, our marketing arm of Pilates Can, is that as we try to produce these standard operating procedures, we need to make sure we've got a couple of different things really locked away, and that is where are we going to store these so that there's easy access for those people that need to access them on a who needs to know basis and so that the security is also good for not allowing people into that intellectual property as you mentioned earlier because standard operating procedures are part of your intellectual property and so that there is good access that way both allowing people to use them allowing them to be changed easily and allowing a good high level of security. So how do you go about doing that in your industry or in your business? Well, in our business, we've moved over recently from using a server type network to where people remote accessed it to Windows 365. Uh, and that was very seamless, which was a real surprise uh, to me, uh, being the cynic that I am, but it did work really well. So everything now we do is stored up in a cloud and I think that's a, a very underestimated thing or asset too, is 
now I know that if uh, I lose my laptop or it gets damaged or someone breaks into my car and takes it because I'm silly enough to leave it there, I can just walk into an internet cafe and I can keep working because everything's web-based. So I can access my emails, I can access all our files and folders, our accounting packages, cloud-based and things like that. I think that's a really big step for any small business. You've got to have that redundancy and built in, especially with all of the virus things and things like that. It's really handy having it backed up to somewhere like the cloud. And look, people get a bit funny about that, and I understand that, but the reality is you can't afford not to do it because you have some bias or, or prejudice. But the other thing is, too, is that you can these days ask that it be backed up in Australia or backed up in New Zealand, and organisations can do that for you. And in actual fact, if you have it backed up like that locally or you have that cloud locally, it actually also speeds up um, the loading of information from things like websites and onto people's mobile phones and devices. So that was a little side thing. But that's a really important asset that you've got all of your IP, uh, all of your documentation backed up and easily to access. Yes, and just to round that conversation off with what we do at Pilates Can and Pilates Business, we use OneDrive. And so again, yes, everything is backed up and there's uh, various levels of security with that that allow easy access to those that need the access to what they need to be able to see quickly and easily and allows the levels of security that we also need. I'm going to move on to another subject now, and that's books. A great love for you and for myself, and I can see all of those books behind you. Lyndon's coming to us, you everyone on this uh, podcast episode can't see what Lyndon's done, but he's got a whole library of books there. I've been to Lyndon's place there in New Zealand, and I know one of the books that you've particularly gone deep on and learnt a lot from is Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game. Would you like to tell us a bit about that and what you've taken from that? Yeah, look, I've always been a great fan of Simon's. Uh, I find what he writes about, it just resonates with me in a big way. And I suppose that's to do with my age and I suppose the things I've seen in life. And one of the things I've actually taken on board and I follow is his book, The Infinite Game, is we want to continue running after I've long gone. And so we've put in place processes and systems to do that. And as well as that, my team are involved in that process. And certainly because I want them to run my business for me, I have a management team of three or four team members and we as a group organize and, and think about and determine the future of the business and then those plans or those objectives shared and we build on them to work out what we're going to do going forward. Simon talks about businesses being finite or infinite and the model that most businesses are is finite but we're looking at doing things for the long term. So one of the things we're very clear about is developing relationships with all our clients and just importantly, with all our vendors, all our suppliers, it's really important that we realize it's a two-edged sword and we need to work on those. So in our business, one of our very clear priorities is about building relationships with our existing clients. And we don't do that at the cost of trying to find new clients or new businesses. Lots of organizations focus on getting new leads, new businesses, and that is the priority over their existing client base. We're the opposite. We work really hard to build those relationships and strengthen them. Indeed, some of our clients we've had on board for over 20 years. And when you multiply that by the couple of thousand dollars they pay us each uh, month or each year or whatever, 
it's a lot of money we've had from those clients and we really respect that and we really uh, work hard to maintain those relationships on that basis that it's a lot easier to keep them on than it is to find new clients. Lyndon, one of the things that has really impressed me with what you've been able to do with your business is that you've been able to, in many ways, extract yourself from the business and allow your management team to take on the running of the business because essentially those staff will own your business of the future because of mechanisms that you've put in place there to allow that to happen, to give the staff the confidence that business will go on infinitely after you're not there with them. And can you tell us a little bit more, can you expand or go a bit deeper on what you've done with the mechanism there to allow that to happen? For someone to be really involved in your business, you need them to be on board, if you want to use that cliche, or you've all got to be on the same bus. So it's really important that my objectives or the way I think and my beliefs, they obviously form the basis of the business and what the business is about. So it's really important that individuals, when they come on board, that they align with those objectives and those beliefs and that their personal objectives line up with with ours as well. And when people are like that and all those things are lined up the right way, it's much easier for you all to be working together and having the same beliefs and wanting the same things. Too often or not, people join organisations because it's just a job to them and everyone that comes into our business, that's one of the things we tell them. If you're looking for a job, this isn't the right place for you. We want people that are passionate. uh, We want people that want to be involved and want to try and make a difference with what we want to do. So we have a whole process and it's not convoluted or anything like that. It's very open. It's very transparent uh, about what we want. So everyone knows that our business is about stopping infections in aged care. And if you like, that's our sort of mini mission statement. Everyone knows what we're trying to achieve. By 2030, we want to have 20,000 people each day using our education and membership platform. So we backward plan from that right down to what's happening in 2021 because we're trying to build the systems and processes to do that. So if you find the right people that have the same beliefs and have the same characteristics as what we're trying to achieve in the business it becomes very easy to get everyone to go the same way and work together so with your people that are on board a bus it's very important as we've learned from eos one of the the, also a set of books that we've certainly both read entrepreneurial operating system that your staff get it that they want it and they have the capacity to do it. And that's a very important test across the board within any industry and in any business, large or small, and very relevant to Pilates businesses because what you don't want with that passion, and particularly with a business owner, is that you don't want them to be so passionate, so involved, that they do or try to do everything. and often to the detriment of their own health. And this is where we've actually connected personally between yourself and myself, Lyndon, very well. And it's been a great pleasure for me to discuss things about health, men's health, health of business owners, and to talk about things that are mutually useful to both of us, which of course brings us on to the subject of fishing. 
and uh, fly fishing in particular because we've certainly connected over that. Both very keen fly fisher persons and very interested in also how that helps our health. So would you like to talk about as a business owner how that activity and look for a Pilates instructor, a Pilates business owner, it could be any number of activities including actually participating in Pilates. But for you, I know it's fishing. So tell us a little bit about how that's helped you with your health. So I think it again comes back to Simon Sinek and his book. It's about deciding what you want to be and deciding what you want to do and then doing it. Part of being an infinite business and, and certainly the decision I've made is at my stage in my life I don't want to work every day of the week and I've got the right people in the right seats we're very clearly focused we've got similar objectives in place so I leave them to do it and as a leader of this business I have two roles one is to be the chief vision officer if you like to use Simon's term a CVO I think the other part of it is also about making sure that we have things in place that we can measure how we're going with our plans and things like that and I think there's a lot of parallels with fly fishing, with business. And part of that is the fact that you have a single objective. You have a number of different ways that you can achieve that. You've got to do some planning. You've got to have the right resources in place and have the right methodology. And sometimes things don't work and you've got to start again or you've got to try a different way. And I think that's true of many things in life, but certainly with business and certainly with building the team and things. Yeah, there are some parallels. I certainly believe that. And in actual fact, there's been a number of people who have spoken to me about I should write a book about the parallels between fly fishing and running a business, which is an idea. Certainly, I can see straight away the correlation with sales, for example, yes. and sales is sometimes a dirty word in uh, caring industries like infection control and the delivery of of Pilates to our clientele. Sometimes it's a word that brings up different emotions. And I think for some Pilates instructors and business owners, it's a little bit scary, but really sales, and we'll relate it back to fishing in a second, sales is about knowing who you're delivering to and what they want and what they need and what, what yeah. you can deliver, which comes back to your unique selling proposition that you mentioned earlier in the discussion. And that has really good analogies with fly fishing mm. because, of course, fly fishing is a very targeted niche type of fishing and you need very particular gear. Everything has to be just right to actually have that meaningful conversation, which is the fight with the fish. And if we related that back to sales in, say, the Pilates industry, it might be that price presentation discussion, discovery call and price presentation. We find that's an integral part of our processes. And if you don't have the right things to say in that discussion to be able to lead that discussion in the right way then that potential client is going to swim up river away from you yep. and not be delivered to the net of your clientele and of course that is the objective we want more clientele and so we need to be very good at those things know exactly what's involved with the customer their journey, what they're after, and then how we can meet them on that journey with something that is going to be very attractive to them to be able to jump into our client group. Do you have anything to say oh, about that? I think that's that? so true. One of the things with fly fishing is you've got to work out what the fish are 
consuming food, obviously swimming, because fish have to swim all the time, that consumes a lot of energy and calories or whatever you want to call it. And so they've got to eat quite a lot and for long periods of time. You need to understand what they're eating and, and that means turning rocks over, it means observing them and it means understanding what they're doing. And I think that's the same with knowing your niche and knowing what your ideal customer is. You've got to see what things pushes their boat out, what things they're interested in, what things are they doing. And, and, and certainly a stretch of river can change just depending on the weather, where the sun is, the humidity, uh, the atmospheric pressure and things like that. If you've got a low coming in, the fish go off. And that's the same with human beings. If they've got pressures on at work, they won't be interested in buying. You've got to understand that much detail, especially in such a crowded, busy market these days. You've got to really make that market that you're looking at as small as you possibly can so that you don't have to use all your resources and you're not wasting things uh, like that. And that's really true, particularly in the Pilates industry, where yes. it can be tempting to go a bit wide rather than narrow uh, and deep. Yep, yep. So there's many businesses, I think, in our industry that have gone a bit wide. We certainly learnt this lesson many years ago now when an instructor of ours said, we're pretty good at Pilates because we were doing personal training back then, back in, this is 10 to 15 20 years ago, probably between 10 and 15, where we actually learnt this lesson and made the change in direction and found that, yeah, we were just too wide and trying to compete with too many others who were actually going deep in those niches. And so we needed to be good at what we wanted to be good at the most and, and that we knew we could provide the best service to the community. And that's what we did by concentrating on Pilates rather than on other things that were, yeah. yeah. We, ha we have a similar story in our business too. A couple of years ago, we went through the exercise of looking at our products and the profitability of them. And after doing that quite intensively, we made the decision that we were only going to focus on three products and they were our most profitable because we just had too much going on. It was like going into a restaurant with a menu with 60 items on it. It just gets too hard. One, from a point of view, yeah. if you're in the kitchen trying to have all of the stock ready to serve that up, but also the preparation, all of the activities you have to do for those things. So we now only have three products uh, in, in bug control, and that's basically our e-manual, it's our membership, and it's also we do audit. We used uh, what gives us the most benefit, and that's really helped us simplify a whole range of things and enabled us to, again, improve the service we get. But just on an aside from that, you mentioned before, and I know lots of people find it challenging talking about sales and how important that is. Donald Miller, who's been around and, and, and does a lot of stuff about small business, in his book, Business Made Simple, he talks about small business being like a jet aeroplane. And of course, the different components of a business make up the structure of a jet aeroplane. But in his uh, metaphor, he talks about sales and marketing being the jet engines that fly that plane. And I think that's really important that any business, if it's to go and go anywhere, needs marketing and it needs sales. And I think in your business, the same as mine, if you don't have them, you can't last. Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and I think small business need to realise it. That's where their effort should go. It, 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 goes, it has to go into marketing so you can get the sales. And, and your point about concentrating your efforts on the things that you're 
best at, yes. the, the things where you're making the most profitability. And that example of the restaurant is terrific because if I went to a restaurant or any of our listeners go to a restaurant where you can get Chinese, Italian, you can get Greek, you can get Neo-Australian and whatever else. And there's, as you say, 60 different options on the menu. They're probably going to be pretty confused about the value they're going to get from one of those watered down options how can they possibly provide all of those different things whereas if they go to an italian restaurant if i go to an italian restaurant i know i'm going to get italian food if i go to a vietnamese restaurant then the same sort of thing and that's really important for our industry because if we're trying to cook vietnamese food in our italian restaurant then we're not going to be showing ourselves the best we can and we're actually playing the game of our competition we're playing in their area and so we're competing with an unfair disadvantage because we're not really a Vietnamese yeah. uh, restaurant D does that make sense to you oh in, it does and, and I think especially these days where there's so many different businesses out there and our market that we compete in is very crowded I think the more you can niche, the more you can be focused on just one particular type of client and provide a fewer services possible, the easier your job gets at marketing, the easier it gets at delivering that service or, or product in the sense that you don't have so many conflicting challenges, if you like. You're not worried about as many things. And I think it's about trying to simplify your offering, if you like. Now, I'm not saying simple necessarily means easy. It doesn't. What it means, though, it's easier for your client to see what you're offering. It's easier for you to deliver that in a way that's high quality and be consistent. Because when you talk to people about what makes them unhappy, what they don't like, it's inconsistency. It's that failure to deliver when you say you're going to deliver. Especially if you're just starting, it's a much lower risk and there's a lot less capital required to deliver if you've only got a few things to deliver. Yes. Yeah, very good point. And one that uh, is highly relevant for our Pilates industry, where many people use the word Pilates as what they do. They say we teach Pilates or we instruct Pilates or we have Pilates classes. Now that can mean all different types of things but as individual businesses we really need to decide what niche of the Pilates industry we are in and what services we're going to actually provide so we can be the best at providing those and we can educate the market so that they are aware of the type of Pilates that we we provide because we can't control what everyone else does in terms of using the word Pilates. Anyone can use the word Pilates in various ways. And so it's a very interesting problem within our industry. And I think, again, it's a problem that can be solved via assets. And the assets that we're talking about in this case, promotional marketing assets, where we're promoting only the things and the culture and the way that we do Pilates. We're not trying to play the competitor's game. We're just playing our own game and we're the best in that area or one of the best, saying you're the best might not be the best thing, <laughs> actually the best thing to say because everyone uh, has a lot to offer, no doubt. Moving on, taking a step back again to health and well-being and having some sort of recreation outside of what you're doing as a business owner, 
Tell us about your next fishing trip. Well, I'm actually heading away tomorrow to go up to the North Island, which is a, a day trip from, for New Zealanders. It's not like travelling in Australia. And yeah, that's a very important part of being a small business is you get that, and I know it's a real cliche, get it that balance between work and, and your life and things. But one of the things you've really got to think about, and this is where things like your SOP, having those things in place, comes in very handy that you can get your team, if they're all focused on the same thing, if they're all pushing in the same direction, and they know what to do, you can have more time off. Because one of the things I've learned over the last few months, certainly the last six months or so, is that we've got to a stage where I was getting in the way of things going on. And by me not being involved on a day-to-day -day basis of the business, it's actually gone better because people were looking to me to help them, looking for me to make decisions and stuff like that. I learned that lesson the hard way. And, and I have to say the business is going better now without me. And I'm not, I was hurt to start off with, but I'm not now. But I think the other thing too, if I can just go in another direction slightly, is even though you've got a few products, it is important to know that in the current marketplace with everything that's going on, if you've got an idea, you can try that idea out without investing a lot of money and seeing if it works. And that's a really important thing to understand that even though you've decided on two or three products or maybe a few more, if you've got another idea, it's very easy to try that idea out and see if it's got legs in the marketplace. But the big thing about that is you don't have to invest a lot of money in doing that. You can do it in a very low cost way and just see the value in it or see what the risks are. But that's the same as your health. You've got to manage your health effectively because it's a marathon, not a sprint running a small business. And so one of the things I do is, is I either take two days off every week or I have a week off in a month. And that is one of our objectives. My objectives in the business at the moment is that I do that. So I'm going away for four days fishing, winter fishing here in the North Island on a very famous river called the Tongariro. And that's very close to Taupo, which is a very famous uh, city here in the North Island of New, New Zealand. So I'm really excited about that and I'm really looking forward to that too. Well, Lyndon, you've just made me incredibly jealous, as usual, with your fishing and also inspired me to take time off. I'm sure you've made a lot of Pilates business owners jealous as well, who are thinking, how could I ever take that much time off? It is something that is achievable. We know that it is achievable. However, you do need to have assets in place to make sure that sort of situation appears for you eventually if it's not there yet. And the thing for your business is that if, particularly in the Pilates industry with studios and instructors that are working perhaps independently, the business does rely in a big way on yourself. So if you're not healthy, if you're not mentally healthy, physically healthy, if you don't have the energy, then that will affect your business poorly and could have a disastrous effect on your business. If you're doing something like going out fishing, well, you're getting fresh air, you're one with nature, you're getting physically challenged and being able to just really enjoy that time completely away from email and phones, all of that, that sort of thing. So I applaud you, Lyndon, for what you're doing there and being a fantastic example. Thanks, David. Just on that whole concept of the small business, there's a real, I don't know what you call it, there's a culture of being super successful. Like, I want to grow it by 10 times. I want to be an international star. But 
certainly the other option is is to develop a business that gives you a specific turnover and and that might mean you've only got to work four days a week rather than five because that's all you want to do you've got everything happening well i think that's a, a really good message for us to finish on there i think we've had a fantastic discussion about the ins and outs of small business in both of our industries and how we can learn and how we can have healthier businesses as well as healthier and more enjoyable lives. So I'd like to really thank you, Lyndon, for your experience sharing that with us, sharing your expertise and your knowledge to help Pilates business owners and Pilates instructors to improve what they're doing with their business and with their business assets. Yeah, Dave, and I do a lot of mentoring to small businesses, and I'm here if anyone's got a question, uh, they can get me on my email, linden at infectioncontrol.care, or just look up bug control on the internet, you'll find us there somewhere, and uh, yeah, I thank you again for the opportunity, David, it's been wonderful talking to you and having this experience. That's a pleasure, Linden. all the best. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the Pilates Business Podcast. Please pay it forward for our Pilates industry by subscribing, or if already subscribed, by sharing this episode with friends now. While you find out what's on next week's episode. Well, that was wonderful to catch up with Lyndon and to learn the lessons that Lyndon has been able to share with us for Pilates businesses. This Wednesday, we have our Pilates Business Bites short episode where we will explore Pilates post-COVID where to now. Meanwhile, keep up your wonderful work doing what you do best. <laughs>